Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jep at the ET. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. What is your weekly process to assist with trades? What's my weekly process to assist with trades? Oh, look, I just try to get the best player that's going to improve my team from week to week. It's it's You try to keep it as simple as possible sometimes, and then, well, now we're at the point of the season where we've got to... Mix it up, don't we? So on a Sunday night, you look to start scanning scores, and on a, on a Monday night, you start consuming content. Oh, yeah, yeah. As soon as lockout lifts, I'm I'm all in two or three options. I, I've mentioned this before. Um, I'm, I think during the preseason, one of our pods, the best time to analyse and do your trades is, is that Sunday, Monday night, in last night's case, Monday night, but Sunday night, because all the games are fresh in your head, you know where it's at. You typically know where every player's at, and that's when I plan and then put it on paper, and then you just see how it progresses with selection, injury, suspensions, and whatever else. So for me, uh, you know, I watch every game, have done so for well and truly over a decade now. The other thing is that I'm deep into the data, so I have a look at some data and obviously um, can work out throughout each day um, where the benefits lie in each trade. And thirdly, obviously, on AFL Ratings Twitter account, I consume a lot of content. So it's taking a deep dive in what uh, coaches say and and where they're tending towards in selection and injury news. So it's it's quite a deep dive into some content there as well. So then you sort of formulate. For me, it's the formulate of the podcast solo podcast on a Monday night and then this podcast on a Tuesday night. So there's a lot of information to come out from games, not only just a game itself, it's the data to see what we can do from a fantasy point of view, their scores, and it's actually the assistant coaches and the coaches and the players, what they've said post-game. So a lot of information can be derived from that, and that's where we get into this podcast there. So pretty much everything flows into this podcast. So it's a lot of content. So it's a lot of content that um, you might think is unnecessary or unnecessary, but I think uh, it's better to have the fine print than have no fine print at all, Jet. Yeah, completely agree. We, you know, I rely on you and your data and your uh, Twitter feed for and your website for a lot. Um, I know you keep it real and, and you don't necessarily guess and read between the lines like some do. It's all facts and, and words that have come from coaches' press conferences and, and, and reporters that are trusted. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple process, and I think it's uh, proven to be quite efficient and correct over a long period of time. All right, Jeff, it's a short turnaround for coaches this week. We finished on Monday night. We're going ahead on Thursday night for round 18. So we're going to try and make this podcast as zip, zippy as possible. So let's get into it. As always, if you retweet any podcast link sent out via Twitter, you're in with the chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap. So we're going to give a few more away at the end of the season. But, yeah, contest coming up there, so keep an eye on out on the Plus 6 uh, podcast Twitter feed for that as well. So AFL Ratings Twitter accounts for all information fantasy related. So jump on there and all I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets and aflratings.com.au for uh, projections uh, for fantasy stuff and injuries. So jump on there and read away. So remember this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, July 13. Make necessary adjustments, as always, when news comes to hand. Jet, let's get into it. General questions. How are you going to differentiate your team from others for the remainder of the season? Uh, name four areas to look at. So for me, it's not picking the common primos. So for the last few weeks, we've had 
Dusty, Newman and Danger as, as the obvious um, trade-in picks, and I've avoided all three to this point. This week it's probably Lloyd with the Whitfield injury. So you're just avoiding that um, that traffic, if we're going to call it that. I think that's wise. Number two is analysing trading in the highest possible weekly player where possible. Obviously, you know, I'm a non-steel Jack Steel owner. I can't afford him this week. But if with someone within my price range, I analyse who's the highest possible score and then I bring him in from this point on because, you know, we can't muck around anymore. Captain Picks is the third one. I'm not just... Uh, look, with Merritt on the weekend, he had 115. I wasn't settling for 115. I'm settling for 125 minimum, and I went with Grundy, and that paid off. Uh, fourthly is the volatile forward scoring means key position forwards now get my attention. So Hawkins without Jeremy Cameron next to him, and also maybe Tom McDonald. Uh, the importance of leverage cannot be underestimated, Jeff. With ownership now somewhat condensed, sitting on your hands and copying everyone else isn't going to allow for a change in rank, either positive or negative. So number one for me, commitment to take ownership on is crucial. Uh, this is yeah. not just this is not just a throwaway line that I, I pretty much throw at each week. Uh, coaches are going to have to pick their spots to take it on, and that's potentially looking at players that you favourites of yours. You've had it from round one. Uh, they're scoring quite well. Uh, not many people will trade out the player that scored like 130 the week before, 120. Not many people will do that. So maybe that's one option there to look at, especially if they've got a difficult draw coming up. Okay, be ahead of others. So number two, by trading in a target with a slightly higher break-even, where most people would wait a week. Number three, uh, obviously target low-owned players. And so that's not targeting low-owned players when you click on the AFL Fantasy website and see, you know, players like 13% owned, 15% owned. You know, when we're talking about top-ranked coaches, and this podcast is actually focused on AFL Fantasy rank overall ranking. So it's it's figuring out that, you know, some players that, you know, 15% on the AFL Fantasy website, but you're looking at top-ranked coaches, and you're up at 60 70 80%. We'll go through ownership in a minute. But it's actually acknowledging where the ownership really lies against your opponents towards the back end of the season for those highly ranked coaches. And for me, uh, the captain as well. So number four, be ultra aggressive with captain scores. So I set a line for myself uh, for Zach Merritt on the weekend. So once Toby Nankervis wasn't in that team for Richmond, what I thought, well, you know, against Marby or Child Brody Grundy could actually really go nuts. So... Um, Zach Merritt I had as vice-captain, and I set a line there. Anything below 140, I was not taking. So we're at the back end of the season. We really need to take some risks. Now, Brody Grundy had a supreme matchup. Um, so he pops in exactly 139 points. So if Merritt scored 139, I didn't actually miss out. So, so I had an uh, uber-aggressive line with Merritt there. So really taking uh, those spots on. So, Jeb? Would you sit on your hands and just trade in popular players for the rest of the season? Oh, absolutely not. There's no time for that now. We've, we've got to differentiate a little bit, but still be wise in, in our selections. Uh, okay, two players, same price tag, same projected average for the remainder of the season, one low-owned and one highly-owned. Which player are you selecting? Oh, you go the low-owned. Absolutely. We, we want to gain rank. It's pretty simple. 
Okay, captain selections in round 17. What was your decision process? We've already gone through this, so just a quick uh, touch on that. Yeah, so basically the same as yours. So my, my line was 125. Um, I thought Grundy would absolutely kill Chol, and sure enough, that last quarter was phenomenal and sealed the game for Collingwood. So Grundy looking fit for here on in, and, and it's, yeah, it's going to be the same process, just have three captain options, three scenarios, not settling for 125 from this point onwards. Yeah, for me, it was actually making sure that I had a non-playing uh, player there that I could move on to the ground. Potentially, you want to move them on before um, any of the vice-captains or captains play to give you that option later on in the round. So um, to take emotion out of it, so if merit scores 135, you think, well, that is that actually pretty good? Do I want to take it? I actually set that line pre-game, so, and I stuck to it. I go, if you're scoring 139, I am not taking it. So I absolutely removed emotion from it. And that was the line I said. And anyway, so Merritt scores 115, so it was an auto anyway that I was taking Grundy. All right, current assessments. We're going to talk some ownership here, Jet. So post-buy, we have talked a lot about ownership. It is a crucial part of the final few weeks of the season. So going through the top 25 today, clearly teams are short on cash. It's the first thing I noticed with some of these teams. So um, players that they traded in last week are actually incomplete teams. So some players are left with uh, uh, an incomplete team with one or even two players short of a full team. So that leads into some interesting decisions. And that actually leads into condensed ownership, Jet. So when coaches and highly ranked coaches are short on cash, when there's a potential target down there for the week upcoming, and there are a couple for this week, you've got to be thinking that, that, that ownership is going to be uh, quite spocky, so it's going to be high for that week. So your thoughts on that, Chip? Yeah, 100% agree. It's it's about selecting the players of the highest ceiling from a week-to-week basis. And I've harped on this quickly before about um, Selby and, and especially what he did last year, picking all those players that had a high ceiling game and just nailing it. He nailed it for like four or five, six weeks, I think. Mm. Yeah, the payoff. So obviously we can make some moves uh, in our trades and sometimes they don't pay off and sometimes you get them all aligned all in a row and they actually do pay off. So uh, risk-reward, uh, I think you've got to put yourself out there. And it, again, it's no use sitting on your hands and, and thinking, well, everyone else is talking about this player, so I should trade them in too. So it's not about groupthink now. It's about individual and being really strategic in your decision-making to make your team different to your close opponents in rank. All right, Jeff Rucks, Gorn stays at 100%. Grundy is now up to 76%, and that's an increase of 28% from last week. So most people jumping onto Grundy, especially with that prime matchup, I think that was actually a pretty good move. Sean Darcy, actually a bit of a regression there, down to 32%, and Riley O'Brien, 16%. So there are only four Rucks owned in that top 25 Jeb, your thoughts on any one of those? So there's a couple of coaches there that got desperate, or not des- necessarily desperate, but they traded Darcy up to Grundy. Yeah, that suggests no cash. So Interesting, me, it's, yeah. It's, it's what I was thinking going through, and I go, well, where's Darcy? Darcy should be there. He's not there. So other moves were made, and it's the Darcy up to the Grundy. So the net, the net gain in the week was only 17 points mm. because Darcy scored 122. So that would have hurt a few coaches. They would have yeah. been seeding with Darcy's 
Great game. Yeah, Darcy, he's run home all the way through, to except for these last two games, it could be quite difficult. So I think Darcy's a, a, a long hold all the way through until it potentially is a trade-out with two rounds remaining. We've seen him struggle in tough matchups, but I think he's still, like, his ceiling is there, and he's sitting behind play-taking in a set marks, Jep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm watching him closely as a proud owner. All right, Jep, we're going to talk about defenders now. So Rory led 92%, Lockie Whitfield 88%, Dan Houston 64% low score on the weekend, Callum Mills 60%. And the big move of the week was trading out Isaac Cumming there. So he was uh, 64% last week, down to 40% this week, so minus 24. Jep, thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, that's uh, good moves trading out Cumming. I wouldn't have done that against the Gold Coast, but he, he obviously wasn't up to what he, we expect from him. And... Yeah, now it's a Whitfield move. What what do those 88% of coaches do? Yeah, yeah, it's a really big decision. So that game at Mars Stadium on the weekend between Gold Coast and GWS was actually played in really windy conditions, favouring one end of the ground. So scores yep. could be a little bit skewed on that game. But anyway, uh, coaches made the decision, traded out coming, and actually did okay out of that. So Lockett Whitfield, Jeb, straight into it. You're trading out or you're holding? No, you, no, you trade him out. You own him, you yeah? got him. Uh, no, I'm not a Whitfield owner. I got very lucky. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's um, – but if I was an owner, it's an instant trade-out because we're all about overall rank and that much cash sitting on the bench even for a week is no, not helping anyone. Yeah, I'm actually potentially going to hold. I think trade-out is the option, but uh, from where my team is at and what I need to do, I think my um, hold, and I think I have a pretty good bench option for the week, which I might pull the trigger on. But yeah, I don't mind the trade-out option there. But for me, it doesn't sit well for my team. All right, so low-owned defenders, Jeb. Jordan Ridley, 40%. Jaden Short, 24%. Jack Crisp, 24%. Oleg Markov, 16%. So that's uh, 32% last week, down to 16%. So a lot of coaches traded well, four in the top 25, traded him out. And interestingly, Jake Lord low-owned in that top 25, 16%. Now, Jeb, the Bulldogs, the game play against... Uh, the Bulldogs, is to hold the ball off them. So it's a play, it's a bit of a chipmark game, and that really set into that Jake Lord score. So when when they're playing chipmark game, especially around defence, you know Jake Lord is going to be a part of that because that is his game. So he could have added a whole lot more if he just moves out of that um, goal square and takes a few more kick-ins and gets those extra points. But, you know... Is it a false dawn, what we've seen with, with uh, Lloyd there? I think it's not. I think uh, Lloyd, he's got a great ceiling. If he can go off the last few weeks, he's low-owned. I think this is actually a pretty good picture. Uh, I'll actually disagree with you this week, and we'll mm. go off what Cumming did last week, because if they're playing at Mars Stadium, which they are, the, the Derby's at Mars Stadium in Ballarat, mm-hmm. so if we're going to expect similar conditions, you would think it's a long, direct game and not the chipmark, chipmark game. Okay, on to some midfielders, Jep. So we're going to go Zach Merritt, 100%, Tim Taranto, 96%, Jack McRae, 92%, Tom Mitchell, 92%. Where's the ownership going, Jep? Because they're all on those four players. And Sam Walsh yeah. is right there at 72%. One pl- one coach, if they remained in the top 25 from last week, traded out Sam Walsh. Can you believe it? Wow. So he's been, so since he got tagged by uh, DeBoer, he's just gone right off. Now, Geelong actually go to Patrick Cripps on the weekend. So I mentioned this on the solo podcast uh, last night, was that you know, teams potentially going to the, the to tag the player, the source of the contest rather than the outlet player. So that's really interesting with Walsh, because he, he is that outlet player. So if that's the case, he could go off after the remainder of the season. But, you know, I said uh, previously that I, that was one player that I would have traded out, and... 
hindsight is that that's a pretty poor call to make. But at the time uh, where he could have been targeted, that was one player to get off ownership. And he's still a wholly owned at 72%. But yeah, but with those scores that he's pumping out, I don't think you should be doing anything right now. Jep, thoughts? Yeah, look, all of those players are, are typical what we, you know, where they are at in the season. That's why they're highly ranked. So no surprises there. But I'm interested to hear the lowly ranked players now. Okay, let's get into it. Darcy Parrish, 48%. Taylor Adams, 28%. That's an increase of plus eight from last week. Ollie Wines, 20. Brad Crouch, 20. Jack Steele, 20. Tuke Miller, 20%. So it's an increase of 12% from last week. So he was targeted amongst those top ranked coaches. Bontempelli at 16%, Clayton Oliver 16%, not really getting the scores, Jeff, at the moment, unfortunately. And 12, no. 12% Lockie Neal, Joy Simpkin there, still pumping out those scores, 8%. Uh, Jared Lawrence, unfortunately, got targeted by the Saints on the weekend, 8%. Andrew Brayshaw, 8% there as well. A couple of zeros in there, I'm going to add. Well, three at least anyway. Christian Petrarca, zero. Josh Dunkley, who is available to return this week at zero. And Ben Keyes there, but he's carrying a uh, hand injury at zero. Talk about any one of those, Jeff. Yeah, Petrarca is the one that's yeah. the obvious. Um, and Dunkley, let's hope he goes straight back into the AFL and not has a week in the VFL because personally for my side, I'd like to him to drop in cash a little bit and um, and we'll see how fit he actually is before bringing him in. Okay, forwards, Josh Kelly, 100%. Aaron Hall, 100%. Scott Pendlebury, 92%. Lockie Hunter, 68%. Patrick Dangerfield said last week he was going to be a target, and he was. He's up to 676%. Didn't really get that settling game as what he did the week prior. And Dustin Martin is potentially a, a bit of a concern now at 56%. Jordan Ugoi was targeted. We thought thought he was going to be. Jumped in rank, uh, so uh, 44% now in that top 25, and that was an increase of 36% from last week. Jep, talk about any one of those. Yeah, Ugoi's a high-risk pick, in my opinion. You know, it can change very quickly, as it has throughout the season. So, Pendlebury very high. Um, luxury trade is trading out Hunter, who's just not getting anywhere near it. Yeah, I think Dusty's in that zone now because what I said a few weeks ago was that, you know, Dusty could be one to, to go off the last few weeks of the season, but that was with an asterisk to saying if Richmond are going to have a good run to finish into the finals, you would think Dusty would be a part of that. And the Tigers have actually fallen apart. So uh, Dusty's score is a little bit concerning for me. I actually am an owner, so that's really concerning. So I'm actually thinking he might, might be making a move off off of him and going somewhere else. And Dugowie, he's got that green light in that midfield, and obviously the Maypies uh, can be a high-disposal team. Chipmark top game, and Dugowie is well and truly a part of that. Had the green light again last week, and he's flying. Okay, low-owned players, Jeff, Jack, Jack Siebel, 16%. Dane Zorko, still 8%, very low-owned. Matt Kennedy, 8%. Jaden Stevenson, 4%. Jake Stringer, 4%. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, the string is an interesting one. So if someone's pulled the trigger there... He to me he's a key position player with the with the old John O'Brown midfield time. Um, yeah, look, the, I'm finding the forwards still volatile up and down a lot, and um, those look those lowly owned players. I think Zebel was pretty good last night, and um, but it's just that injury risk. So yeah, look, no one stands out in that list of the lowly owned that I would jump to. Okay, Jep, we're gonna. Go through a couple of numbers here. So uh, obviously we have 22 players on field each week. So I have gone through all the highly owned players, as I have just mentioned, and there are 17. So that only leaves us five players that we can mess around with, unless we're trading out a highly owned player. So that's where we go. That's what I'm just... Um, 
So that's what I'm getting at with regards to moving on a wholly owned player, is that if you're not, you're going to sit on your hands and do nothing, well, then you've got 17 players the same. So your difference from a week-to-week scenario and trying to jump rank is only five players. Yeah, that's right. Look, it's... it. He can change very quickly. He'll use the Sean Darcy example. Those that traded him out with that 17 net gain, that wasn't the plan. Um, it's all about <clears throat> trading out uh, uh, the popular players like a Dusty and and gaining 50 points in, in a sesh. So, I, you know, Dusty owners might be looking at bringing Zorko this week as an example. Yes. And yes. Okay. Because, of, you know, Zorko was 8% from memory, as you just spat out. So that's... That's going to jump you up no matter what. Not everyone will do that trade because of the Whitfield issues and other problems. Exactly. Okay, Jep, five targets for this week, round 18, assuming you don't own any. Who are they? So Jack Steele, number one, just in spring form and hitting all stat lines. Petrarca, much of the same. He's my number two target. Tom Stewart, unlocking what he's doing at the business end of the season now. He's my number three Number four, Zorko, just that low ownership forward unique. And lastly, a bit of a bargain pick is Tim Kelly against uh, Adelaide this week, and Eagles got a pretty good run home. So this is the question now. He's going to be a highly target, do you think, this week? Yeah, Tim Kelly will be. Um, Yeah, I still like it just from where my team's at. Um, But, yeah, I'm trying to... Trying to get creative and, and get a bit more of a unique sort of player as we've just harped on. Yeah, but Tim Kelly's uh, if he's going to be highly owned, that's not unique. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's sort of my fallback position um, at this point, but it just depends what happens elsewhere and what I decide to do. I've still got one rook or two rooks starting on field. One of them's Bramble. I need to see if Foley's going to play, which he should, and, and if I'm comfortable with Foley on Adelaide Oval, which I am at this point. Um, but yeah, it comes with risk, doesn't it? Absolutely. Okay, Took Miller. Very hard to actually upgrade to Miller right now. As number one for me, Jack Steele. Number two, same situation. Very hard to upgrade, but still number two for me, Christian Petrarca. He's just he's just putting up huge numbers right now. He's in some good form. Jordan Degoe. He's got that green light through that midfield. I still think he's pretty good value at that price. And Dane Zorko for me, lower ownership in that forward line. You can make a move getting onto Zorko. And pretty much, he's got a great ceiling, and pretty much, uh, potentially, as what you said, Dusty up to Zorko, and you can make a bit of a unique lineup there. Or right, Jep, notable break evens. So Ned Reeves minus 22, still no movement on his availability in that Hawks team. Lockie Bramble, uh, if coaches don't own him, he could be a monster target this week. So 99 last week, kick-ins in defence. Uh, the Hawks were actually had to move him to defence once they had the injuries in the back line. So it's just something to keep an eye on with regards to what his role was last week and why he moved it to defence. So that's a bit of information there for your uh, fantasy coaches right there. So 305k minus 18 break even. What are you thinking there? Yeah, Bramble. Like he obviously when Scrimshaw went down, that was his his go to. Um, and then CJ went down as well, but they got Hardwick back. So you pretty much say. Ah, Potentially Hardwick for Scrimshaw could be a like for like. And so, yeah, we just need to see the teams and see if we think Bramble's going to go to the back half where Hawthorne's at. I think it's actually likely. I thought he played very well in that back half and he's got a beautiful kick and makes good decisions. 
Max Lynch at minus 11 there, so still no movement on his availability in that Magpies team. Nick Bryan, same situation there at minus 5. And Kieran Briggs, again, Mufford in and Flynn now in the way of Briggs potentially. So Riley Garcia was okay, 57 last week, 211k and minus 3 break. Evan, what are your thoughts on Garcia, Jeff? Yeah, he's a goer. Um, I, I don't mind it. It's obviously for a bench spot, and yeah, it's. I'm just concerned of his lowish potential scores and ceiling, and being that slow money earner on the bench, which we don't want. I, I'd potentially look at a newbie coming straight in and, and sort of punting their their scoring ceiling against someone like Garcia. Okay, Luke Foley at to break even, Harry Edwards at nine. Uh, what are your thoughts on those? And Luke Edwards is actually in play now for the Eagles as well. What are you thinking there? Yeah, so all three youngsters, so the two Edwards and Foley. So Foley, I reckon, will score pretty well. I think Luke Edwards is a chance to come in after the disappointing display last night. So, yeah, Foley against Adelaide, Adelaide over, like I said previously, would be great. It's just who they drop. I think Foley comes in for Nelson personally, but um, who knows? So one player that we sort of thought about early in the season was Chris Burgess. So now I think Stuart Jew is actually locked into Burgess rather than Zach Smith. So 461k break even at just six. So he's not going to hurt you there with regards to drop-in salary. Uh, his role last week was pretty awesome. Obviously, that game at Mars Stadium, again, at a high number of ruck contests. So that was a lot of throw-ins from the ball going out of bounds and obviously some ball-ups there as well. So uh, that played a part in there. He had an enormous amount of hit-outs, um, but he sat behind the ball in play as well. But I thought, he's, I thought he was actually really good. So Stuart Jew, I believe, is locked in. Um, 461K, so that's somewhere around the vicinity where... Uh, coaches can make a bit of a move onto him, especially at the ruck position, Jeff, because potentially he can put up a high ceiling game. Well, yeah, it's more of the, uh, again, I, I bring the Whitfield position. How's this for a left field move? Whitfield to Burgess in your defence. Mm. Um, just for the money earner and, and using that that cash injection elsewhere to, to, I don't know, let's say Dusty to Zorko, or even say Dusty with some DPP action and, and get a Jack Steele or a Tukmiller. Yeah, you can make if you're going to uh, trade Whitfield out, uh, Burgess is right in that zone to be a target. I would, I would imagine, Jeff. Yeah, it's it's this is where it's going to be so interesting because he's so highly owned, and it can go one of probably ten ways. So I'm really keen next week or to hear the numbers and hear the the analysis because um, yeah, there's coaches scratching their heads right now. Okay, Jet, we're going to get into some other players to consider below 750k. We're just going to go through these really quickly. So just one line on each. So Brad Krauts, uh, 136 uh, break even, 746k. Your thoughts? No, I just don't believe he's going to be consistent enough. Yeah, I'll probably agree with that. I would potentially try and get the money to get up to steal any way I could. Okay, Clayton Olive has actually struggled for ceiling games recently, and all those scores are going to Petrarca, Jet. So 743k now, so he's dropping salary 117 break even. The Demons do actually have a pretty good draw to finish the season. I think 743k there, Jeb, I'm actually quite liking that. Yeah, I, look, I think he's a great pick. And just keep in mind, he wants this All-Australian Guernsey. So there's well, he's got a lot to play for, as well as Melbourne finishing top two. So he's a great get. Jack Zebel is not really owned in that top 25, and we know he has that role in defence for the Kangaroos along with Aaron Hall. 740k, Jep, I'm still interested in Zebel. 
I'm not. I'm just nervous now at this point of the season. If he gets a niggle or an injury, then it's all over. Um, yeah, it's all over till next season. So soft tissues this time of year. Um, yeah. Okay, Lockie Neal uh, showed no impact from that calf injury last week on the weekend. He was actually pretty good, posted a pretty good score as well, 738k. Jep, I still like. Yeah, really like him too. I think um, he's got a lot to offer. And Brisbane, again, got a solidified top four and potentially top two. Sean Darcy, we know he can make a difference, especially in that forward line, can put up ceiling games, as I've mentioned earlier. It's a pretty decent run against his opposition ranks for the... Uh, for every game except for the final two games of the season, season uh, 730k Jeb, uh, break even 85, so he's pretty much going to hit that, so it won't hurt you anyway, Jeb. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a great get. I, I can't sing his praises enough. Okay, so Lockie Whitfield, uh, we, we've both pretty much said that's a good idea to trade, and you can make some moves around uh, who you trade in, and you can change your structure of your team a little bit, Jeb. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'd get creative, and, and again, I've said this before, get four or five options, put it on paper, look at it, assess it yourself. But, um, yeah, don't be shy to make a left-field move. And Whitfield is out with uh, in concussion protocol from that game on the weekend. So Luke Parker, Jep, 721K, no ownership at all, break even 99. I pretty much would... I still like because he can score well, but, you know, we're chasing ceiling games right now. Exactly, and that's the only reason why I don't like him. So Brandon Ellis actually putting up uh, some nice scores recently. 701k Jep, I'm interested. 81 break even. No, he's another Mr. Inconsistent. Not not for me. Christian Salem coming out at uh, D50 for the Demons. 698k break even to 68. I still like Jep. Yeah, this is one I would pull the trigger on personally. Um, I think now's the time. And now it could end badly, but Salem's the type of player that. Um, gets it done, and he's not going to be highly owned. Tom Stewart, obviously we know he can quite... Uh, obviously we know he can score quite well in that defence for Geelong. 693k, Jep, 94. Break even, I quite like him. Yeah, no, he, he's... Um, I don't have him, and I wish I did, but um, now for where Geelong's peaking, um, he's a big part of that, so try and get him in. Basha Hawley out of the team, so Jaden Short has that position across half-back, being that exit player, D50 for the Tigers. And if the Tigers are under pressure uh, for the remainder of the season, giving up inside 50s, you've got to imagine Short's going to be a bit of big part of that coming out of D50 for the Tigers. 690k, Jep, I really like this pick. Yeah, I do too. I don't mind Short, but um, just keep in mind he doesn't have the greatest of ceilings and it can hurt you with a 60-odd score. Uh, Dangerfield, Patrick Dangerfield was highly targeted last week, didn't really get there from the score in the end. So as I said, the barbecue was on, the flies uh, came, approached, and they actually clicked trade in. So 686k, Jeb, 79 break even. I'm still on the fence here. No, I'm, I'm going to avoid him um, just because of his high ownership. There's there's no point going to him now for non-owners. Jack Lloyd, uh, still like him. Uh, you previously said no. So 116 points on the weekend, 673k, Jeb, I still like 95 break even. Yeah, oh, look, I'm an owner, and it was about time he paid the faith because I've been patient with him. So he's hoping it's a turning point for the way Sydney play and tweak their game plan a little bit. But like I said, Mars Stadium in Ballarat, very windy conditions. I think Lloyd will lose some plus sixes in that. Okay, Luke Ryan, another one in defence for Fremantle, 670k, 98 break. Gavin Jep, are you a fan? I am. Uh, no, I'm not. No ceiling. So Braden Fiorini is the next one. We said no last week, obviously, uh, with players coming back into that Gold Coast team. Unfortunately, 
Hugh Greenwood has gone down with a knee injury, and now Lockie Weller is out with concussion protocol for this week, probably only. So Fiorini can score. We know that. That's probably not a question mark, but we need to see him and in an inside midfield role. Noah Anderson is in that uh, situation to come back in there as well, and you would got to think that Matt Real is going to see some high midfield usage to finish the season. God, man, it, like if he had that permanent role inside midfield for Gold Coast, I'd be clicking trade in. But it just like, can we guarantee it for every game for to finish out the season, Jeb? I, I don't think we can. And we can't. But again, let's not die wondering. This is a player with a high ceiling that's not going to have high ownership. This is exactly the type of player we've been harping on about this whole podcast. So do it, do it if you can. Um, I feel like you know he's not going to have an opponent because he butchers the ball in the. <laughs> traditionally with his disposal. So this, he's a prime, prime target. And I know it sounds crazy, but you can't die wondering. Lockie Hunter struggled with his scores recently, 66 only on the weekend, 644k break, even a 120, which is getting up there now. Jet, what are you thinking? Oh, it's just not turning out great. I've sung his praises, and now I'm more grumpy with him. So if you're a non-owner, avoid him. Okay, so the other player in the Gold Coast is David Swallow. We know he has a ceiling. So, you know, with all those players in the Suns, and they do get uh, do roll some players through that midfield. So 639k break-even at 77. He does have a ceiling, Jeb. I would actually prefer to go to Swallow uh, rather than Fiorini. I, I love Fiorini, don't get me wrong. But it's just, you know, can we guarantee him that role over Swallow? I would say no. And I, that's where I would go Swallow over Fiorini. What are you thinking there, Jeb? Yeah, the problem with Swallow is he can miss games, although he's had a pretty good run this season. Um, yeah, it, see, I think Fiorini is more consistent than Swallow is. So I'm still Fiorini above Swallow. be interested to see how that plays out for a man of the year and what coaches do or don't do, but I, I'd want to be uh, having a look at that in hindsight at the end of the season to see how that played out. He was actually one that I was hoping was a sneaky chance of forward status, um, which didn't eventuate. And I, we remember last year he was a forward. He gained DPP eligibility. So um, I think if he was a forward, we'd all have a different opinion on him. Jordan Ngoi, green light in that Magpies midfield, 117 on the weekend, 634k. I still think his value at that price, break even 38, so it's really good. Oh, I still like him here, Jeff. Yeah, again, a bit a bit like every, like Dangerfield, sorry, where every, he's the flavour of the month and everyone's bringing him in, so I'm just going to sit back because we know Jordan can change his tune very quickly. Okay, Dustin Martin. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Tigers are struggling, and that's pretty much aligned with Martin's score there as well. So 6.15k break, even a 108. Uh, this is definitely not a target for me, and I would actually be leaning towards trading out you. No, lazy. I've called him lazy. There I say it, and I actually bump into him one day. Um, but, you know, can't do it now. So you were no, 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 and then all of a sudden last week you were yes. Why was the yes? How did that come well, I thought I thought... Richmond would pull their finger out and make a run at this this finals. They've got to make the top eight here. There's so much on the line for them. Again, it's a bit like West Coast. They're in the same boat. It's it's almost do or die at this point of the season. They just didn't turn up, including Dusty. So I thought because they were forced to play well, he'd actually dominate. But 
happen. Yeah, just not happening. Okay, on to Bailey Smith. So he started to lock a house on fire on the weekend. A huge first half. It slowed down significantly in the second half. So still scored okay. 595k jib. He's still valued at that price, but 107 break him. Yeah, look, he, he can turn it on, but again, he can. who knows what happens with Dunkley. So I think that he's a risky pick. Tim English, well, we know he does have a ceiling when he gets going. So 592k, any interest, Jip? No, can't do it, not at this point. Nick Hine there, Bombers halfback. He's been that exit D50 player along with Dyson Heppel this year. Uh, uh, Jordan Ridley, who we've got after um, Hine, so we'll probably lump these two in the same question. Do you have any interest in Hine or Ridley at 589k? Uh, no, not both. Um, Heppel coming back potentially, uh, you know, will affect them. Um, if I were going to pick one out of the two, I'd pick Hind over Ridley. Hind one twelve on the weekend and Ridley one hundred, but soft matchup that was as well. So one player that scored well on Monday night was Tim Kelly, finished one hundred and six points. So he's going to be a highly targeted player, Jep, this week. Five sixty eight k at that price, it screams value to me. But what it also screams is uh, high ownership. So do not we? He has had his injury concerns this year. So uh, where are you leaning? I'm saying go somewhere else. Uh, I'm not going to target him. Yeah, and, and this is where cash generation at this point is really hard. So Tim Kelly is the obvious choice for a lot of coaches. So I'm looking at him. He's one of my options. I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger. He doesn't look 100% fit to me, but the Adelaide matchup does appeal. So, And the Eagles have a pretty good run home. So, yeah, look, I, I think it's the safest trading pick this week even with his injury concern yeah I, I do like his again I do like his salary I do like his price point and I, I, it screams value to me but this might be one player I just want to make it stand on so but you've got to take your spots Jeb as I mentioned you've got 17 players uh, pretty much highly owned in those top ranked coaches so you've only got five players to mess around with to differentiate yourself from others okay we've got tom mcdonald in in here today so uh, he does have a very good ceiling so his salary is 537k it's break even at 51 so it's not really going to hurt you so what i did look at today was his draw for the remaining part of the season so now with ben brown in that team Ben Brown is that deepest forward, so he's not going to sit against that key defender. He's a work up the ground, uh, leading up to the wing, leading up to halfback, even at times when uh, teams are exiting D50, to be that lead-up guy out of um, coming out of the forward line. So, And he can get in a lot of scoring chains from a fantasy perspective. So, Jeb, a good draw to finish off the season. I actually like this pick of Tom McDonald. But, yeah, at key forwards, uh, especially McDonald's probably lumped in there as well, Key forwards can be volatile, but uh, I think he has a pretty much good enough ceiling that we might want to tap into, Jeb. I like the pick. Yeah, look, I don't mind the pick. I'm just going to wait a bit. And, and round 21 against West Coast and then Adelaide the week later is, is what appeals to me, and that's sort of when you pull these these kind of levers. Okay, so one player to, just to keep an eye on there if you don't pull the trigger on him. Okay, Jeb, uh, going to do a four-pack to finish off, so just a quiet uh, week for listener requests. So thank you for sending those in. So going to zip through these really quickly. Kyle Langford, hamstring injury, now out for an extended period, so that's pretty much a trade-out, so it's a dislike for me, Jeb. Yeah, absolutely a dislike. Nat Five shoulder concern, scored okay on the weekend. So now are we thinking Five, who has pretty much no ownership, 
can last out the season, put up a decent average chip. What are you thinking? I dislike because of the shoulder concern. Yeah, I dislike because of that and his injury history. Um, he's low ceiling typically as well. So even if Freer are on the run on, they sort of back off Fife a little bit. And I think he watched him closely at the end of that game and he, he wasn't doing too much um, of the Davis type of in and under work. So no, thank you. The, the one pro here for Fife is that Fremantle are really in this chase for a final spot, so you've got to imagine that he wants to play throughout the remainder of the season. He has stated that he will have surgery post-season, but, you know, once Frio is still in this finals race and if they make the finals, like, he's, he, will, he will be there if he can uh, be there, even with that injury jet. So I think he does hang on for the remainder of the season if Fremantle in that race. So thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, valid point. Um, doesn't change my opinion, no. Okay, Liam Duggan, uh, dislike for me, 559k. Well, it's interesting because he's one that could push up into the midfield given how lackluster we were at the contest. I thought Elliot Yeo was serviceable, but then that was it. So does Duggan have some more stints on the ball is what I'm where I'm at with that, especially if Foley comes back in. So I still wouldn't trade him out. There's too many ifs and whats and hows, so dislike. Rowan Marshall, so still one to wait and see on Marshall for me, but yeah, that's 562k, you know, if he gets up to really full fitness, but Ryder's doing well in that number one ruck spot, and, and Marshall is that foil, and pretty much the chop out for him in the ruck. Um, it's still, he can score going forward, Jep, so I think if the Saints can get on a run on, that he can score uh, quite nicely, we know he can even in, in that dual ruck setup. Uh, for me, it's a wait and see, so I'm going to say dislike right now. I want to say like right now. This is the type again. This is the type of player we talk about where you pull the trigger early. Okay, so break even at ninety. That's not really a concern. He's five hundred sixty-two thousand dollars. He's in, he's incredibly important to um, the St Kilda makeup. Not the best matchup being Port Adelaide this week. However. It's the type of games where, you know, high risk, high reward. Let's see what the guy can do. Um, he, he's scored, his highest score for this year was 124. Guess against two early in round six. It was against Port Adelaide. So, and that was at Adelaide Oval. So this is one for the listeners that is my number one trading option. I'm not ashamed to disclose that. Um, and this is what we talk about, pulling the lever early. It could burn us in the backside, but hey. It's um, we're going to take risks to get ahead. Okay, that's it for episode 101. Uh, keep an eye out for the solo podcast next Monday night and keep an eye out for this dual podcast on a Tuesday night. So final thoughts heading into round 18, Jip. Plan ahead. Make sure, um, you know, you, you take the risks now and um, gain that overall rank. Yeah, don't, don't sort of trade into high ownership, so you will probably won't move rank at all. So that pretty much locks in your position that you're currently in. So uh, it's time to make a move, that's for sure, Jep. All right, Jep, that's it for Episode 101. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.